Hello, hello. Greetings and welcome. This is Apostle Corey Douglas with Zion Ministries welcoming you to another Bible study on the book of Romans. Praise God. We will continue our verse-by-verse study. Uh, We're going to start in Romans chapter number 1, picking up Romans chapter number 1, verse number 17. And as we were discussing, verse 17 reads, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And what we were discussing in our previous study is the term faith to faith, okay, the just shall live by faith. When we look at this word just, just means to be vindicated, to be innocent, to be um, not guilty, uh, to be approved in the sight of a judge, authoritarian, or a sovereign authority, okay? And when you think about just, hear the word just, um, you know, we kind of hear the word justice. And when we think of, hear the word justice, we think about courtroom or court terms. Uh, when you go to court, or if you take someone to court, or if you call the court, then someone is in pursuit of justice. And so the just person would be the person uh, that is right in the case that they're presenting. In other words, after the judge um, observes and assesses uh, the prosecutor versus defense, he's going to look for the just person or the person that is uh, right as it relates to the law or the standard of the law of the land. Okay? And so when we think about this, to be just means to be approved before God the Father, who is judge of all and also to be vindicated uh, before the courts of heaven. Uh, and and when, when we actually understand that the Jewish people sought out an opportunity to be justified by the works of the law, and the Gentiles, according to the flesh, or the Greeks, according to the flesh, had no basis of justification before God because we were without a covenant. Remember, we established in our last study that Uh, any nation or any ethnicity or nationality that was not Jewish by bloodline was classified as Gentiles according to the scripture, okay? And so faith to faith, in the context that I believe the Apostle Paul was writing up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's speaking about two different sects of people or two different cultures. I believe that the first faith, um, is in representation to the Jews. I think that the second faith is in representa- representation to the Greeks or to the Gentiles. And so the Apostle Paul is basically saying that Jews and Gentiles are both on equal terms. Those who had a covenant but thought that they could be justified by the law, which they cannot, in addition to those who didn't even have a covenant and didn't even have any hope or any basis for being justified which are the Gentiles, both Jews and Greeks or Jews and Gentiles must both now be justified through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, or through faith in the gospel of Jesus, Jesus Christ. And so he utilizes one universal standard of justification for all of humanity, and that justification is through faith in the gospel. And we read on down, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Okay, where is that written? It's Rebecca chapter 2, verse 4. I used to pull it from the Old Testament uh, basis of Scripture. 
and uh, based and basically sharing the revelation of the Holy Spirit as it relates to New Testament believers or those who would later come into the faith through avenue of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, he goes on to say, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Now, let's, let's really stop to think about this particular statement. Uh, because this word wrath means anger, okay? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who hold the truth in unrighteousness, okay? Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So this takes us, and as we proceed in this study in the book of Romans, uh, uh, we're going to get into some uh, a lot of topics that, uh, perhaps you wouldn't hear unless you were doing a verse-by-verse. Verse. Uh, but we're going to dig into what the Word of God says in every area. First of all, God has wrath. Okay, God has wrath. And this word wrath, again, means anger. It means vehement anger. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. And so we realize that not not all anger um, is is of Satan, not all anger is of the flesh or through the carnality of man. Uh, we see a wrath of God being revealed from heaven, which means that God has the ability to express his anger uh, for certain causes and against certain things in a way that brings a manifestation into the earth in the, in the, in the jurisdiction of man, okay? Notice it says revealed from heaven. So, you know, we should be able to discern and to detect God's anger towards certain things as well. Reveal, revelation, the unfolding, the unveiling of the anger of God. So God has an anger against, number one, verse 18 says, ungodliness. Okay. And number two, unrighteousness of man. Now, this is unique because godliness deals with character, nature, and, and, and lifestyle, okay, for the most part. When you think about a person leaving a godly life or godliness with contentment is great gain, to be godlike okay, or to be in God's likeness, okay. And so those who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and reject the truth and who choose um, to reject God's likeness or, or God's godliness and they choose ungodliness instead of being God-like. Uh, God has anger uh, against ungodliness. And it's not necessarily the people that he wants to destroy, but it's the, it's the nature of ungodliness that he can't put up with. Okay. Uh, because the only other nature uh, besides godliness is to be unlike God or to be, for lack of better words, to carry the nature of Satan and the fallen angels. Okay? And so the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. Okay? Now, unrighteousness can be defined in two ways. Okay? First John, the apostle said, all unrighteousness is sin. Okay? So we can say it's against 
all ungodliness and all sin that men choose to walk in. Okay, God is against. Okay, unrighteousness also speaks about certain actions and certain works. So ungodliness deals with character, okay, and nature. Unrighteousness deals with deeds and actions, okay, that we that that actually that we act out and that we live out. And God is against an ungodly nature, and God is against unrighteous ways of men as well, okay? But the Bible says that God's wrath is revealed from heaven against these things, and this brings us to another thought, that it's not enough for God to just tell man to, to do right, to not murder, to not, uh, you know, abort and to not do human tra- sacrifices and to not uh, just walk in sin and and you know and 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 do all kind of things that are against him, but this verse makes it clear that men don't always choose righteousness and godliness, even though they may know what God's will is. In other words, there's an aspect of man to men in general to where it's not enough to tell man not to do right and not to do wrong they will still persist to do it, okay? Ungodliness and unrighteousness of man will still uh, do what it does. And the Bible says that God releases an anger against those things when they continue or when men persist or when men choose not to humble themselves, they choose not to bend, they choose not to give way to righteousness and godliness then God manifests and he makes way an expression of anger against that particular thing to get man's attention and to humble man and at times to chastise man and at other times to judge man. You know, there are times when man must pay the consequences for ongoing ungodliness and unrighteousness, okay? And it's clear. So we, we know that God is love, but in God's love there's also an anger or a wrath against ungodliness and unrighteousness that is revealed from heaven. And he goes on to say that these particular men hold the truth in unrighteousness. Okay? They hold the truth in unrighteousness. And so this verse is really revealing that there are certain men who don't live by the integrity of their conscience, and they don't walk in the light of truth that they possess. And not only do they deny the truth willfully, but they will also uh, subvert and lead others astray in unrighteousness, even though they may know the truth okay, in a particular area. And so to hold the truth in unrighteousness or to hold the truth in sin, this is what it looks like. I know what God says, but I'm going to continue to do what it is I'm doing. I enjoy doing what I'm doing, you know, whether it's what I'm getting from it, how it makes me feel, or, you know, uh, any fleshly gratification that it brings, okay? It's to know it, but to still continue in darkness, okay? That is to hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19. He goes on to say, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, 
for God had shown it unto them. So we see in verse 19, it's not always about God speaking something new that people have not heard. And even unto us, it's not always that God has to speak something new, you know, that we have never heard. But there are many things that God has made known to people. I'm not even talking about just simply born-again Christians because the truth of the matter is the Bible says that no one can come to the God except the Spirit draw him. So even in an unregenerated state, in a case where people are not born again, God is still dealing with them, speaking to them, revealing certain things, and making certain things known to them. Okay, They may not know him in fullness, Okay, but God is going to make known uh, toward every man and give some men the opportunity to know that he exists and the opportunity if they should choose to seek him and to search him out. Okay, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them or revealed in them. Okay, And this verse simply, it, it really reveals that God has placed something in every man, in every man, no matter the nationality, no matter how much of the gospel that they have heard or have not heard. We'll read later of how God will use the law of a person's conscience to navigate them as well and to speak to them, uh, even though they have not heard the gospel. But God has placed something in humanity, okay, that to know the truth, okay, and to uh, he makes known uh, his reality or his existence to the hearts of men everywhere. Though the hearts of men may rebel, and though they may be stubborn, and though they may resist and choose their own path, and some may even deny uh, that they really believe or, you know, the concept of a God exists. Uh, but the truth of the matter is God will always minister to the heart. He can, because he's God, he can go beyond the surface. He can always, you know, send an impression, a knowing, an awareness to the heart of each and every person. And it's what we choose to do and what they choose to do with it after that that determines uh, their end, the outcome, and their destiny. Okay? But, but that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. Okay? God hath shown it unto them. This is past tense. Okay? Verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, verse 20 alludes to the fact that creation itself testifies of the existence of God. Okay. Now, notice in verse 20, the Bible speaks about the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. I want you to think about this on a on a science level and think about so many things that exist that we can't see, like gravity for one. Uh, another one is wind, okay? Um, you know, because I don't want you, want you to just think, even though there is a creation of angels, of realms, of different dimensions and realities of heaven, of things that are not seen that exist, there are things on this earth Okay, that we know exists, carbon dioxide, you know, uh, oxygen. Uh, but, but there are things in this earth that do exist that point to uh, the reality uh, of a God, you know, of a creator, of a master designer. And 
what Paul is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that this world, the creation, the balance, um, to just go out and to look at the stars, the moon, the sun, the clouds, um, the ecosystem, and uh, even the concept of photosynthesis and how uh, you know, we breathe out carbon dioxide that plants need. And, you know, we breathe in oxygen, which come from plants. You see that balance and that, you know, and all that back and forth. You know, it all reveals um, the existence, and it points to the clear revelation of the existence of God. It says that we can understand the things that are not seen by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are and that they are without excuse. Okay. Another aspect of this is the blindness sometimes of man's heart to take an honest look. You know, um, the sun that rises in the east and sets in the west. Um, you know, just the, you know, just just raw creation. I'm not necessarily talking about the things that you know men have made, like skyscrapers and infrastructures and you know boats and planes, and but just just creation in and of itself, the ground that brings forth fruit. You know, the concept of the seed, um, everything. There's so many things that point to resurrection, the rising of the sun. You know, the the dying of plants and coming forth and uh, you know, when you feel the wind, it's hard not to think about Pentecost and about the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, you see clouds in the sky. It's hard not to think about the glory, the glory of God. You know, you hear birds singing. It's hard not to think about the angels and how that is said in the book of Job that the, you know, the morning stars sung when God created uh, all things. And so, uh, but there's so many things that point back to him, uh, even you know, God's handprint on three things that man cannot make and we can't fabricate is is the breath of life. You know, we can put people on oxygen machines and and try to put them on respir you know, uh, you know, on the respirators, but we can't give them the breath of life when it's gone. It's gone. Came from God. Okay, water. You know, we can't create water. We can manipulate it. We can channel it. We can purify it. Uh, but we can't we can't make it, okay? We can that's God's stamp, okay? And also the blood, you know, we can do blood transplants and blood transfusions and all that. But the truth of the matter is, we can't create it. And so there's so many things to just point to the essence and the reality, okay? That our God exists, that are in our everyday life, that are in us, that are around us, being the creation of God Himself. And if any, uh, even atheist and, you know, um, unbeliever or, you know, even a cultist or person would just take an honest look, um, then it's, it's impossible not to see that there is a Godhead and that there is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there's a, a master designer, and, and there's no excuse to not seek him or get to know him or pursue more knowledge about him in desiring to uh, to understand him and to know the truth. Verse 21 says, because that 
when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, as we go on down, I want you to think about the concept here. In verse 17 and 18, um, well, actually verse 17, he says, for in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. And then he says in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed against unrighteousness. So we're dealing with two revelations. So there's a revelation of righteousness that's found in Christ in the gospel. Uh, in those who become born again, God reveals his righteousness. Uh, and this revelation we'll find later as we get in death is more than a knowledge of coming into awareness, but it's an actual uh, becoming uh, a part of his righteousness and his righteousness becoming a part of who we are, our nature and our makeup. Okay. And then we see unrighteousness being condemned by God's wrath and also ungodliness being condemned. So it's safe to say the only way to really escape the wrath of God and the wrath against unrighteousness and the wrath against ungodliness is to dig our feet deeper or to explore even deeper his righteousness. In verse 17, as it is revealed through Jesus Christ and through the gospel, okay? And so there's no middle ground. Either we're going, we're growing in righteousness, in the righteousness of God, or we're growing in unrighteousness. Either we're growing in godliness or we're growing in ungodliness. And either we're positioning ourselves up under the umbrella of God's favor, blessing, protection, uh, by being obedient to his righteousness or you know, abiding in his nature and his character, or we are either, you know, putting ourselves in jeopardy um, as it relates to his anger and his wrath by delving in unrighteousness and ungodliness. But there are no two, there are no, there's no middle ground, okay? Um, to grow in one and to persist in one is to gain grace and favor, favor in the sight of God and in the sight of all men, and to you know, and to pursue or to continue in unrighteousness is to put ourselves in jeopardy of the wrath of God, which comes against ungodliness and also against unrighteousness. Praise God. It says, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. So when we read this verse, we see that it's not always about not knowing. Again, I keep going back to this. Um, because Romans chapter 1, he's speaking about the reality of God. He's basically saying there is no excuse for the actions of man, you know, because the reality of God and his nature and what's acceptable to him has been clearly revealed to all. Okay. And in verse 24, he reiterates that by, by saying that at some point, it's possible to know God, too. But when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. And so the issue was not with the lack of revelation. The issue became the lack of honoring what was revealed, really properly respecting and valuing and 
holding the fear of the Lord to the heart and what was revealed. And the same thing with us today. This is why we can't we can't become so fascinated by new revelation, and we can't be uh, we can't become you know just revelation seekers, 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 and uh, like the Epicureans, you know, who always sought to hear some new thing. We don't want to just be after new light, even though new light, new revelation is good. But even more important than that, we have to make sure that we maintain the proper fear of God, the proper reverence, so that we can we can render back to God the honor and respect toward that which we already possess and what he's already spoken and revealed and made known to us. Okay, It's very easy to let go of the one in exchange for the other. You know, if we're not careful. And this is what they did. It says, because when they knew God, they either became too comfortable, they either got bored, or they either became disinterested. Whatever the root and motive was, the fruit was, they no longer glorify him as God. Okay? Which means that they didn't see him as the Godhead, the master creator, all powerful. Uh, they glorify him not as God. And if you're not glorifying, God is God. If we don't glorify God as God, that means that we are reducing uh, the honor and the homage that we give to him to the honor and the homage of a mere man. Okay? Um, and so, and that's not good. And, and this is where they, they were. You know, he was just another person, I guess, you know, to the Greeks as well as to the Romans. He was another God among gods, among Zeus, among uh, Aphrodite, among you know, uh, all the other gods that they had um, in their belief system, okay? It says they glorify him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, okay? This is a key for us as well. Number one, you always want to, when you come into the knowledge of truth, you want to discipline yourself to give God glory for who he is and because all truth should point back to him. Any revelation, any new light, it should still point back to a greater aspect of his character, person, heart. Uh, and so it always points back to uh, who he is. What he says points back to who he is if you look deeper enough. They glorify him not as God, neither were thankful. This is a pit that you and I don't want to fall into. The Bible says that in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Uh, you want to discipline yourself to remain thankful. Okay? How do you tell that a person is not honoring the Godhead or honoring God for who he is? That even though they know him, they may be born again, spirit-filled and tongue-talking, uh, you can always tell uh, whether God is being reverenced by the level and the quality of thanksgiving that one may give and that one may possess, okay? Is it forced? Is it coerced? Is it genuine? Is it organic? Is it from the heart? Is it sincere, okay? And is it for who he is and not just for what he has done or what he can do, okay? The problem with this particular group of people is that they became thankless, okay? They became, they were no longer thankful. The Bible says they became vain or empty in their imaginations. This is also a strategy 
uh, a warfare strategy that you and I can can really implement as it relates to our mind and our thoughts as well. It's clear to see that if we do not remain thankful, our imagination or our thought life becomes vain. Okay. Now we know, according to Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse four and five, we've told to cast down every vain imagination. But Romans chapter one, verse number twenty-one, tells us how we open the door to the vain imaginations to become vain in the first place, and it's by becoming ungrateful or unthankful and not glorifying God for who he is. Praise God. Well, God bless you. Thank you for your time and your attention. I pray that the word uh, will bring some light and some uh, encouragement and strengthen your foundation in Christ. That concludes our Bible study for the book of Romans. We will uh, resume, Lord willing, uh, next Monday, and we're going to continue up in our study. God bless you. Grace and peace be with you in Jesus' name. Amen.